0: Talk Radio.
1: On our fourth episode of The Ivy, our top Cubs prospects along with where they are ranked on different baseball-related pages. We also will discuss major moves each team has made in the NL Central so far this offseason, season and how that will affect the upcoming season. And now for the second week, we'll be doing another segment of Inside the Numbers where we'll talk about WRC+. We talk about it all on our fourth episode of The Ivy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can't keep on you over complications. Gone too soon.
1: Wait. Welcome into the fourth episode of the Ivy. As myself, Thomas, and my partner Max will be here with you for the next 45 minutes to dive into everything comes Related. listed. If you like the Cubs, you come to the right place, and we're extremely grateful that you took some time out of your Sunday night to join us here. Max, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good.
1: <clears throat> All right, well, we'll be talking about the Cubs' top prospects within the system, and also we'll preview the NF Central as we'll talk as we'll look at what other teams in the division have done so far in the offseason. and then we'll have our second edition of Inside the Numbers as we'll be looking into WRC plus, or also known as on base plus slugging. Lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs related. And also, go on to Yard and use the promo code DPN10 for 10% off any tickets for every event. So, Max, the first one we're having today is the mailbag, and I'm going to kick it now to Benson for the first question. All right, first question is from Ballstop.
3: Who's Hall of Fame bound between Zobrist, Bryant, Contreras, and Baez?
2: I'll start nice this one off. It. So um personally, uh I believe that at the end of all of their careers, um, I don't think Zobrist will be a Hall of Famer. Uh Bryant I could definitely see being one. Uh he just needs to stay healthy. Um Contreras, I mean, if he plays like he did in two thousand seventeen throughout the rest of his career, yeah. Um, Baez, kind of unpredictable with him, um, but I'll go with probably not.
1: Yeah, for me, it's um, Nolan Zobrist, and then uh, for Brian Contreras and Baez, I would say Brian has the best chance there out of those three, but I think all three have a legitimate chance um, they can play like they have in the last year or two. All right, Uh, uh, Benson, do you have a second question for us?
3: Yeah, similar questions from Maryland Terps19. What do you want uh, Zobris, Bryant, Contreras, and Baez to accomplish before their careers are over?
2: Thomas, you can start this one.
1: Okay, Um, so for me, I would say that Wilson Contreras, just to keep up what he's doing, um, I think for Contreras it's a matter of uh, you know, last year's struggles and the year before that with the team not being able to, you know, go all the way. Um, that hasn't fallen anything on Contreras. I think he's done everything he possibly could. Um, so just continuing what he's been doing. Uh, same goes for Bryant. Uh, obviously he had the injury, the shoulder injury, but uh, we hope that he can come back healthy. We've seen what he could do uh, in the 2016 season when he won MVP. Uh, so I think uh, much like Contreras for him, just keep doing what he's doing uh, and then a little repetitive as well, but for Javier Baez, you know, as runner-up in the uh, MVP talk or MVP race last year uh, behind Jelic, uh, I don't know how much more else he could do than to continue to stay in that, um, in that conversation. And then for Zobris, obviously it's the end of his career or close to it. Um, so uh, just to continue to be a player that can uh, get on base, for the for the Cubs this year, um, and uh, whether or not he has a future with us, I'm not sure, but uh, for what I want him to do is just uh, continue to get on base and uh, be able to perform like he has, like a seasoned bet whenever Madden calls on him. How about you, Max?
2: Uh, personally, um, I want Bryant and Contreras both to stay healthy, and I think they can keep up their success that they've had. Um, Zobris just to stay a leader and get on base, like you said, and uh mm-hmm. Javi to limit the sw- the swing and miss balls.
1: Alright, Ben,
3: is there another question? Yeah, this question is from Ari. How far will the Cubs go this year?
2: Max, you can go first. Um, I think with our current roster and if we're healthy, I think we can uh, make it to the World Series. Comes down to um uh how your players do in the playoffs. And I think, I mean, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go against someone who said we're only going to make it to the NLCS, uh, but I I really see us making it to the World Series.
1: Yeah, and as for me, uh, much of the same. I think that a safe prediction for us would be the NLCS. Um, we'll talk about it a little later on the episode. We we'll talk about the NL Central, but I still think we're fa- we're the favorites to win that. And I think that uh, last year was honestly. Uh, you know, kind of lightning in the bottle. We, we were really unlucky in that last month. Uh, so I think that was more just kind of a one time thing. I think we can get back to the World Series uh, like we saw previously. Uh, so, Benson, we'll go to one more question now. Are those questions from Elite?
3: When will the Cubs win the World Series again? So,
1: for me, um, I like to think this year, um, Cubs don't win the world series within the next three years i'd say as well how about you matt
2: uh yeah i agree with pretty much everything you just said i think um our next three three years are really our window over the next 10 years to win the world series and after that um players contracts are up and you have guys retiring like zobris possibly hamels guys leaving uh so yeah i think really over these next three years i think there's going to be another trophy in chicago
1: Absolutely. So now we'll get into our first topic today. <clears throat> we touched on it a little bit last week, um, and that is our top prospects within the Cubs system. Uh, Baseball America just came out with the top 100 prospects list on Saturday, I believe, and Nico Horner found himself at number 100, actually, and then uh, catcher Miguel Maya at number 94. So, Max, you and I both have created a top 7 to 8 list here uh, for the Cubs prospects, I'm going to open up to you now to go through your first guy um, who both both you and I agree is our first guy, Nico Horner.
2: Yeah, so uh, Nico is an interesting guy. Uh, his highest uh, level that he played out last year was single A. So um, he was drafted last year as well. So uh, his, stats, his slash line was 327 average, 450 on base, and five, 571 slugging with two homers a 187 WRC plus, which we'll get into later in the episode, a 15% walk rate, a 6.7 K percentage rate and six stolen bases in 2018. And uh, we saw him go to the AFL um, in, in the fall last year and um, rarely does a first round um, pick in the MOB. Does that happen? Um, Most of the time uh, players aren't good enough for it and they're not ready. Uh, but we saw Nico succeed. Um, he ended up straining a ligament uh, that cost him time in July and August, which opened the door to him to go there and put work in. And, um, yeah, his stats really showed um, how good he was last year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting, too, uh, that in his senior year at Stanford, he only had two home runs and 229 at-bats. But um, his fall looks, you know, to believe he's capable of more power than the stats would indicate, and as for me as well, um, you know, he's a second baseman, and like we talked about, I know, a couple weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago, um, about uh, Ben Zobris' future with the Cubs. Uh, On fan fan graphs, it has Nico's expected arrival um, into the MLB in 2020, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that this year, uh, especially because, um, you know, he's, he's expected to begin the season in, uh, Class A with Myrtle Beach But he could move up rather quickly Through the Cubs system uh, Which has been something that almost every uh, You know Executive within the Cubs organization Has said so uh, What do you think about when we might See Nico in the MLB Max?
2: I mean yeah I agree with you uh, I think he just has To be able to get through the minors healthy and um, if he keeps If he keeps up what he did last year uh, with how good he was and what he did then, uh, AFL, uh, the Arizona fall league for you guys who don't know. Um, I definitely think that we could see him in the MLB. Um, is it likely? Probably not, but, um, there's always a chance. I mean, especially the September call-ups, I don't know if you want to risk a year of, um, a year of service time for him with the Cubs, but I mean, yeah, he's definitely a guy that we could see if, um, if Addy's not back um, in September or if he is released, I mean, if Javi's not performing at shortstop, I mean, yeah, he could come up and he could possibly start. But really I see I see him probably being up uh, 2020 mid-year. Okay.
1: Um, so then the next guy we'll talk about, I know that you have him second on your list. He's third on my list. Uh, that's Adbert Elzele. It's right-handed pitcher, and his estimated arrival is in 2019 – his highest, uh, his highest play has been at AAA so far. To me, a little bit about Elzelay Max.
2: Um, Elzale is definitely a guy I like. So, last year he struggled, uh, 476 ERA. Um, not good for him. I mean, he only threw 39 and two-thirds innings, though, as he was injured. Um, his, his K per nine and home run per nines, uh, his home run per nines was .9. So, um, nearly a home run every nine innings. Uh, it's, it's really not horrible for a minor league player. Um, maybe that'll go up. Maybe it'll go down once he reaches the majors, but, um, we're looking at his K per nines. Um, that really concerns me. It it was a 6.1 last season and in 2017 with two teams, it was an 8.5. And I definitely think part of that is, um, that he was injured last season. So, uh, if he's healthy this upcoming season which he is and uh, he tweeted something on Twitter the other day saying that uh, he threw and he felt good so we're definitely hoping that um, he's up in the majors and I'm sure he will be uh, mid-year if not if not a month into the year and we could see him um, I mean in the rotation if someone's not hit I mean if Hamels isn't hitting or Quintana isn't hitting like he ha- hasn't in previous years. Um, yeah, he's definitely a guy um, that we could see in the majors. And if he pans out, uh, I could see him being uh, a guy like Trevor Bauer, um, a flexible guy, uh, struggled in the first few years of his career. Um, but just in this past year, uh, he really he really came to be who he was supposed to. And if Elzale comes out to who he's supposed to be, um, I could definitely see him looking like a like a Trevor Bauer guy.
1: Yeah, and much a little bit like uh, Trevor Bauer, he lacks a little bit, bit of height, but he's a great athlete with uh, plus arm speed and that fastball that's generally sitting about mid nineties and touching high nineties. Possibly really good command of. Um, and you know, you said that he could possibly enter the starting rotation uh, if Hamels or Quintana aren't living up to their, to what we need of them. Uh, but what do you, do you think Elderley could be a possible, um, you know, this is kind of going far down in the future, but a possible ace or, you know, a really solid number two uh, in his future, or do you think he's going to resort back to a, like a really good reliever role uh, for his future in the MLB?
2: Um, I think, I think for him, it's really staying healthy. So if he stays healthy uh, this upcoming year, I think that's going to be one of the determining points for him. I mean, uh, Cubs executives have looked at him, and it's hard to tell if he's going to be a good reliever or um, a possible number two starter, or even number one, like you were saying, an ace. Um, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, the Cubs aren't known for uh, bringing up homegrown pitchers. I mean, we traded for Kyle Hendricks, uh, signed Lester, uh, traded for Quintana, uh traded for Hamels and then resigned him so it really shows you um that really we can't we can't really uh develop much pitching so i mean if we could develop him i mean it definitely show that uh, our minor league system has gotten better in the past few seasons and i definitely think that's a, that it's an underrated one too so i definitely could see um Esle, um being a number 2 or number 1 starter in the near future uh, but I think that's something that um, that his arm and the rest of his body will will show. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, so for our next guy, uh, you have him third. I have him second. <clears throat> so switched for me uh, between Elzaway and then Miguel Amaya, uh, who's second on my list. The catcher. Um, he's kind of been uh, position blocked by Contreras, but it's getting to a point now where it's 2019 and. Uh, You know, Contreras' contract is coming up in a few years, so he could be a replacement for him. Uh, Miguel Amaya, catcher, we signed him out of Panama, and he's entering his fourth season within the organization. His highest level of play is single A. Uh, I really like Amaya, and I do think that he could uh, fill into Contreras' role if he left. Um, Obviously, that would include us bringing in other free agents if we chose not to sign Contreras because, uh, you know, that's a stand that, the uh the franchise will be making by not signing him but what do you think about miguel amaya max and do you think he's the answer or do you think that the cubs will sign Contreras long term uh come 2022
2: um i could see amaya as an answer but i could also see amaya being um another prospect who had a good year but won't won't pan out um Amaya's a guy i like and um I've watched some I've watched a video on him and he's a fun guy to watch. Um but really I think when it comes down to the wire I think that Wilson Contreras is going to be one of our guys that's going to end up being resigned and Amaya will either end up being traded being traded for our relief pitching um or really anything else we need in the future. And uh if we were to trade him too, I mean this is this is probably the time to do it. Um I mean just made uh, number 90, 94 on the MLB pipeline list. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he would. This is probably his highest value point right now. I mean, I can't see him redoing what he did last year. I mean, even even looking at his advanced stats, they really weren't all that great. Only a 114 uh, WRC plus, and still a 19% K rate. So, um. He did have a nearly a three fifty on base percentage, so, um, I mean, if he does pan out, that'd be great, but I, I, I definitely don't think uh, we'll see him catching over Wilson Gutierrez in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, our next uh, prospect is shortstop Aramis Ademann, and uh, he obviously has struggled uh, with his bat, you know, only a slash of .207, .291, and two seventy three with three homers. Uh, in his highest level at uh, high A. Um, but the thing he makes up for it there is his defense. And you, I know you have him sixth on your list, so you're probably more concerned with his offense. But for me, I have him four, just because it reminds me, obviously, uh, not offensively, but defensively, he makes plays like Javier Baez. And, you know, he's very, uh, you know, he makes his presence felt defensively. So for me, I have him at four. Uh, explain to me why you have him at six, probably because of his offensive stats, I believe.
2: Yeah, that's mainly the reason Uh, we did see a, um, a strong, not necessarily a strong, but a good year for him in 2017 uh, regarding his offensive stats. Um, And when I saw his name and looked at his stats, uh, his, his defensive stats are great. Um, And watching some of his plays, I mean, uh, they're fun to watch and uh, yeah, that, the two ninety one on base is definitely a worry uh only three homers like you said sixty four w r c plus um mm-hmm. he kind of reminds me of el City's Escobar, which isn't uh i mean obviously i want him to be uh Francisco Lindor <laughs> if he could come out to yeah. be like him, but really really that's not um unless his offense um improves like crazy i mean that's really that's really not a possibility for him. And, yeah, that's mainly the reason I have him at six. So uh, my number four guy was Cole Reuter. Uh We had him on for our first episode. Um, and I kind of see a little bit of Michael Brantley in him without the injuries. Uh, uh, he was a rookie last year in Arizona, uh, 354 on base, five homers, uh, 129 WRC plus, thir- and 13 stolen bases too, which is something I really like seeing. Um, a lot of people say – that stolen bases is overrated, but really, uh, the more I look at it, the more I like it because it means you have a guy that can reach base like him. Like I said earlier, 354 on base. Um, and yeah. And then he, so he hits a single and then he's on second if he steals a base. So really it's not a single, it turns into a double. And so, um, when I, when I see guys who, with, um, with stolen base numbers that are large, that's something that I really like seeing. but one thing that was worrisome was his twenty three percent k rate um and his his five homers really not really not a worry to me uh the rest of his stats kind of make up for it, and obviously he has a lot of a lot of room to improve uh but obviously he still has a lot of time to do it as well
1: yeah, um for me, I have rotor uh right after. I have him at five, actually, Um, but for me, I just think there's a little bit more to go for him. Uh, He actually reminds me of Albert Amora, in a sense, just because, um, you know, we don't see, like, great or big um, home run numbers, but the ability to get on base, like you said, 354 on base, um, and just playing that same position, uh, too, as Amora, makes me, uh, you know, believe that he's a a little bit like him uh, comparison-wise, but for me, I just don't – I it's hard to see where Cole fits right now. Obviously, he's young. Um, but with the estimated time arrival by Fangraphs for 2022, obviously three or four years down the road we'll have to reassess. Um, but I think Elmora is one of those guys I'd like to keep in Chicago for a while, so um, he may have to switch positions. You know, we've seen not just Elmora be exclusively center field, but um, that that's where I lie on him. Do you agree with that or –
2: um, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I, I, I see where you see Elmora on him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't see Elmora as a long-term answer in the outfield though. Um, his on-base percentage was low. Um, I mean, I w I, I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be upset if the Cubs did resign him, but I don't see him getting $20 million. I mean, maybe 10 would be reasonable. I mean, 10 to 15, somewhere in that range. Um, but I don't I really don't see him being being an answer because um we have quite a few outfield prospects and I definitely think uh that's a strong suit of ours that we've been able to develop up through our system. Um and that's looking at Hap, Elmora and Schwarber. Um obviously they all haven't um necessarily lived up to who they uh were drafted as, but um maybe that's something that will happen. I mean, if Elmora can Keep up the great defensive plays and uh, start start hitting more at the plate. I mean that's, the, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the team in in 2024. Yeah. All right.
1: So we're gonna to get to one more then, <clears throat> one more prospect and that's uh, left-handed pitcher Justin Steele, and his highest level so far has been Double A and like many of the other starting pitcher starting pitching prospects in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Steele missed some time during 2018 season as he we went down with Tommy John in August of 2017. Uh, we saw him have a 46 and two-thirds innings with a 2.31 ERA, Pretty impressive there. Um, what do you think about Justin Steele and who would be your MLB comparison for him back?
2: Um, Steele is definitely a guy I like as well. Uh, he went to the Arizona Fall League, uh, also missed time in 2018. That's why he only threw 46 and two-thirds innings. Um, so yeah he's definitely um a guy I enjoy watching uh and when I watch him and when I've seen things of him, he reminds me of sivamonts with the with the Mets um uh justin Steele his fastball uh usually ranges from ninety to ninety five with about an average sink um his slider um what his well, really what he calls it is a knuckle change. Um, usually goes from 85 to 88. Um, and really what I've heard from a lot of people is he looks like a bad quadruple A starting pitcher. But really I think if he can stay where he was last year and if he's healthy, um, I think he's definitely a guy that we could see on the major league roster in a few years uh, either pitching out of the bullpen um I mean, he, his high ceiling is probably uh, number three, number four. I don't see him getting much higher than that. But, I mean, he's a guy who could throw innings for you, and he could be out there And I mean, a 3, 3, 3.5 ERA. Um, that'd be reasonable on a Cubs team who has really not been able to develop pitching.
1: Definitely. And before we get into our second topic of of central, make sure – to call us at 845-277-9345 to join us, ask a question, comment, anything on Cubs related. Um, but here's an ad uh, from uh, the Marlins catch, and then we'll see you on the flip side for a second topic.
2: What's going on, everyone? This is Nick from the Marlins catch podcast. Make sure you all tune to episode number four of the Marlins catch tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We will also be joined by Marlins pitchers Jeff Brigham and Mackenzie Mills on the podcast. With these JT Romito trading rumors flying around the MLB, we will be covering everything about it and giving out our predictions on where he will land and for which team. Will he go to the Dodgers? Will he go to the Padres? Is there a mystery team involved? Find out in this week's episode of the Marlins Catch. You guys definitely do not want to miss it.
1: All right, welcome back in to the second topic today on the Ivy, <clears throat> and Max, we'll be getting into the NL Central, just a quick little preview, um, you know, going through some housekeeping things of what's happened in the offseason for other teams in the Central, but obviously we'll start with the Cubs first off, and for me, you know, we all know that the Cubs have been quiet this off season, and it's definitely been an offseason to forget. Uh, I definitely wouldn't give our front office a good grade if I were to grade them on their off season. but. We still have a strong squad, and you know some big hitters in this lineup. For a lot of young guys, and we may have just hit an unlucky stretch in last month offensively. At least that's what we uh, would like to hear. And for me, I still project us to win the NL Central. Um, it wouldn't help to get a couple last-second, uh, you know, last-second ads and transactions before free agency ends. Um, but it, it'll definitely be at least a three-way close race for the division between us, the Brewers, and the Cardinals, for me. Uh, what do you think about that, Max?
2: I mean, I definitely see the Brewers falling off from where they were last year. Yelich, um, mm-hmm. uh, an MVP candidate, um, and really the Bryant injury hurt us a lot. Um, I don't want to touch too much on it because I could probably go the whole night. But, um, I mean, I think both Javi Baez and Christian Yelich will both fall off from where they were last year. Um and I definitely see Rizzo and Bryant both jumping back on. Um I'd guess that last year will most likely decline as well as Hamels. Um but I still I, I, I definitely see us coming out with the division. Um and really I see the Brewers being um an eighty an eighty six, eighty eight one team. Uh, I don't think that I mean they did sign Yasmani Grandal uh, but they did lose Jakeem Soria and Jonathan Schoop. Even though uh, he wasn't all that great, um, but really I don't see them doing all that great without an ace. Um, if they were to trade for Madison Bumgarner, yeah, I definitely put them um, right up with us and the Cardinals. Yeah, and
1: um, the last thing about the Cubs I'd say too is that you know we didn't have Brandon Morrow in the last uh, couple months there, and that it definitely hurt us. Um, but as for the Brewers, I also agree. I think uh, they come back with some, I think regression hits them a little hard, um, you know, after, you know, they beat us and then in the game 163 and then they swept uh, the Rockies and then the Blues losing there but in, in L.A. But they did sign down as Manny and um, I do think Yelich regresses, like you said, but they still have a healthy Yelich. And, you know, if Yelich, Braun, Kane, Aguilar, and Shaw all, be, all can become healthy, um, or, you know, not become healthy, stay healthy, I should say. Uh, they're still a contender, uh, not just for the NL Central, but um, they might be better than everyone thought, and maybe they didn't overperform necessarily uh, last year. But I think that the Cubs will still win the division, and I do see the Brewers getting a wild card spot, and most likely I pretty going sure to win that game. Um, but the next team up is the Cardinals, Max. Uh, we know Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller were both two great additions. Uh, we can't deny that as much as we'd like to, but... Um, you know, at this point, I just don't see it in their starting pitching. Um, Niles Mikolas, uh, you know, as your ace, I think he gets hit with regression. We saw a great year out of him. And outside of Goldie, Azuna, and Matt Carpenter, um, I don't see a whole lot from in that lineup. And, you know, what, what do you think about that, Max? I think the Cardinals definitely will give us some tough division games and we will be within, you know, six, seven games of the division at the end, Uh, but I, I still think the Cubs have them.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Like you said, Goetschmidt and Miller, both great additions. I see, I see the Cardinals being a little above the Brewers. Uh, I definitely think Goetschmidt will have, uh, I mean, just as good as the rest of his career. Uh, Miller, uh, obviously better than last year, Um, probably, probably declined from where it was in 2017. Uh, but he'll be a good reliever, who he has been in the past. And like you said about Michaelis, um, yeah, I think he'll definitely regress. I think yeah. uh, there's really no there's really no argument about that.
1: Yeah. And so then um, the next thing we'll talk about is Cincinnati Reds. Uh, definitely more of a frisky team now with Alex Wood and Puig and Matt Kemp coming from the Dodgers. I don't see them, and I don't think anyone else does in baseball see them as a major threat for, you know, central necessarily, but uh, I think they'll make those 18 or 20-so division games against the Cubs definitely more competitive. What do you think about the Reds right now?
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Alex Wood, Puig, and Kemp were all great additions. Um, I don't really see them coming back, though, like you said. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, probably a fourth-place team like they were last year. And uh, now we bring in Benson uh, to talk a little bit about the Pirates.
3: Yeah, so the 2019 Pittsburgh Pirates, really, it's – It's going to be an interesting season because the strength of their team is the pitching staff with uh, four horses and Archer, Tyon, Williams, and Musgrove, and that fifth starting spot is going to be a question. The back end of the bullpen is going to be one of, if not the best in the league, with Vasquez, Kella, Crick, and Rodriguez. The pitching staff is going to have to be dominant if they're going to have any hopes in the central and really competing at all. The lineup, it's going to need a lot of internal improvements, hopefully coming with the new hiring of hitting coach Rick Eckstein. Josh Bell is going to have to find his power stroke again. The third baseball with Moran and Gong. Uh, Jung Ho is either going to have to you know, channel his inner 2015-16 or Colin Moran is going to have to significantly improve. Dickerson's power has to come back a little bit. Marto just has to keep churning, um, and hopefully the team gets Polanco back sometime mid-April, early May. The shortstop position is going to be a question mark. But overall, at the end of the day, for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2019, the pitching staff is going to be what keeps them in the race, and the lineup, is, the lineup is going to have to have significant internal improvements, and that's what Neil Huntington and crew are betting on going forward in 2019.
1: All right, thanks, Benson. And I would just say uh, <clears throat> that I agree with the Tyone and Archer and the Vasquez takes. And same with Dickerson and Marte. Um, I think Dickerson and Marte, especially Dickerson, was really fun to watch last year, just from a baseball fan perspective. But uh, I don't, I don't necessarily see it uh, in the back end of the rotation there with Melvin Musgrove. Um, but obviously, a Pirates fan, and you know, you watch Pirates more than me. Uh, so definitely, uh, Pirates have always been a team that uh, gives us tough games, and you know, they definitely, definitely in the talks there in the Central. What do you think about the Pirates, Max?
2: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with uh, what you said. I definitely don't see them anywhere other than the fifth spot.
1: All right, so before we get into our third uh, segment with Inside the Numbers, uh, here's a fan cast ad, and make sure to uh, call us at 845-277-9345 if you have any last questions or comments before we get off.
0: After nearly a week of an absence of rumors, Phillies fans are eager to hear about the latest news in free agency. Since Manny Machado's agent called out fake reports by reporters, the MLB world has been void of any notable reports. However, on the fifth episode of FanCast, we will be starting a new series predicting the breakout players of 2019 for the Phillies, including minor and major league players. While the Phillies play the waiting game in hopes of landing a franchise player, it can be frustrating for fans. When listening to the next episode of FanCast, we will explain how these long, dry months will be well worth it when a big signing comes to fruition. With the Phillies seeming to focus more on Bryce Harper, should many Machado fans in Philly be worried about San Diego as a potential suitor? If you are a Phillies fan or interested in hearing about baseball at all, come and listen on Tuesday at 7 to hear bold takes, predictions, and more the newest episode of FanCast.
1: All right, welcome back into the fourth episode of the Ivy. Make sure to give us a follow, too. My uh, Instagram is at CubsNation2018 and Max is at Wrigley News. And then also uh, make sure to check out Stubyard. Use promo code BPN10 for 10% off. Any tickets for every event. Uh, I know spring training is coming up in March, so if you want to go to down to Mesa, make sure to grab your tickets or for opening day at Wrigley Field against the Pirates. Use vpn 10 on Scrubyard for 10% off your order. But, Max, we're getting into our third topic today, and it's going to be our second edition now, second straight week of Inside the Numbers. And today, the Saber metric we're talking about is WRC+. I'll open it up to you.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'll give you guys the quick definition on it. Um, WRC+, takes the statistics, uh, runs created, and adjusts that number to account for import external factors like ballpark or ERA it's adjusted so the league average is 100 so if you had a 150 WRC plus you'd be 50 percent above league average for example Mike Trout had a 191 WRC plus last season the best in the MLB so he would be 90 he would be over he would be 91 percent above league average
1: yeah definitely and also, uh, I know you talked about the ballpark, um, but how that works then is a player who plays, you know, their home games at Coors Field, which we all know is hitter-friendly, um, will obviously have a lower WRC plus uh, than a player who, uh, you know, has identical stats at a pitcher-friendly park, um, such as the Athletic Stadium, O.C.O. Coliseum. So it takes into consideration the production of player uh, with the ballpark, and I think that's really important because, um, you know, you'll see fans from, like, the Rockies fan base or something talk about the numbers from, you know, players like Arenado and, obviously, ex-Rocky, DJ and now the Yankees, but um, definitely have great numbers, uh, whether it's at Coors Field or at another place, but they're definitely a little bit inflated as well, and... I know we got a little bit of feedback uh, last week, Max, uh, to talk about kind of the formula for where they get these Sabre metrics. Um, I'll open that up to you if you want to talk about, uh, you know, the essence and the inside workings of WRC+.
2: Yeah, so the formula is mainly uh, weighted runs above average, uh, WRAA, um, per plate appearance, uh, which most of you guys probably know what a plate appearance is. Um, Plus league runs per plate appearance, plus league runs per plate appearance, minus the ballpark factor like Thomas was just talking about, and then times the league runs per plate appearance. So mainly what that's saying is um, the Rockies would most likely score more runs at their park than the Orioles would, or not the Orioles, the Athletics would at their park do to how the ballpark factor is set up and how um, the Colosseum of the athletics is pitcher-friendly and uh, hitter-friendly park-like course field. Um, and so that's per play appearance, not including pitchers, and finally times 100. So pretty much why it's useful is um, WRC Plus quantifies the most important part of a batter's job, which is creating runs. and normalizes it so we can compare players who play in different ballparks and even different eras. So really you could take Mike uh, Mike Trout's past season, like I mentioned earlier, 191 WRC+, and compare it to um, stats from 100 years ago. Um, Even looking at really any other player, you could compare the two stats because of the ballparks they played in um, and really where they played at most, which is referring to the team that they were on.
1: Yeah, and, you know, looking, looking at uh, the top ten WRC Plus players, uh, obviously Mike Trout, number one, with 191 WRC Plus, but I found an interesting name at number six, and that's Brandon Nimmo. Uh, obviously, I'm New York, Matt, close posted a 149 WRC Plus, and this number was surprising me. Uh, I had a, uh, a number seven for the Indians, Jose Ramirez, uh, eight uh, Arizona with Paul Goldschmidt, now Obviously with St. Louis and then Manny Machado and Anthony Rendon, but I think it's definitely interesting uh, when you take a step back and we already talked about uh, the ballpark changing uh, the stats and for a player like Nimmo who plays in a somewhat pitcher-friendly city field, um, it's definitely interesting to see just how explosive and how you know you know he really made an impact in each game, being that he's number six. Um, on any list honestly and nemo be that kind of surprised me what are you what about you max? Does anything surprise you on that top ten list
2: i mean, i totally agree with you on Nemo. um yeah like you said uh city uh city field uh the med stadium is probably one of the most uh not one of the most but it's uh it's uh, a
1: relatively pitcher friendly park
2: yeah, and um even looking at um MLB's uh most pitcher friendly parks uh they rank that as the top one. Um so a point really they only scored 0.73 runs not per game. So one would be average. So if you're below one it favors the pitcher and they were at 0.73 and um so looking at that uh target field uh home of um the Twins was exactly at one. So really, it's split between um, pitcher-friendly and hitter-friendly. So really, that's the only that's the only type of park where you would get really um, you'd earn your WRC plus based off not lean toward pitchers and not lean toward hitters.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious also um, Anthony Rendon at number ten. Do you
2: have the Nationals
1: uh, pulled up? You know, if they're I, I know it's not hitter-friendly necessarily. At least I don't think. Uh, do you have the Nationals uh, Park pulled up or no?
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, like you said, uh, the Nationals Park ranked on the list uh, number three. Uh, and that's at 1.13, which means it would favor the hitter.
1: Okay. So it's a little yeah. more hitter for me than I thought. But still,
2: Anthony Rendon, Um I know for
1: you and me, uh, we watch enough baseball where we know Rendon is definitely underrated. Um, yeah. but you know, number 10 for any MLB list, especially to the public, uh, it's probably, you know, compared to these other guys like Goldstrom Machado and Betts and Shroud, uh, definitely a name like Nemo that you wouldn't really expect to be there. And also Alex Bregman at number five, uh, obviously he's more known uh, than like Rendon sort of, but, uh, You know, he's such a young player that he's found himself in the top five for the stats pretty impressive as well. Any closing thoughts you have? Anything about the Cubs uh, for WRC Plus?
2: Just one last thing. Uh, Javier Baez was the highest Cub on that list, ranked number 24, uh, partially because um, Chris Bryant didn't play all season, so he wasn't playing at away parks as much or Wrigley Field as much. Um, Javier came out with a 131 WRC Plus, um, 14 spots away from number 10, and Anthony Rendon had a 140. So really, Hobby wasn't that far off. Just looking at the listing, that's what it comes out to be. And one other thing, too, that I found interesting is Coors Field um, is not the most hitters-friendly park. Uh, Globe really? Life Park in, Ar- in Arlington is, um, home of the Rangers, which I found pretty interesting, uh, which could lead you to think um, that could be a possible pull for Bryce Harper.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And I went I I guess I'm not so much surprised about it because um we we saw especially last year uh, how hot it was in some of those games and you know, we saw like 10 to 9 games in the third and fourth inning it was pretty crazy, but definitely interesting and I think the uh Bryce Harper uh thing you're talking about there is, is interesting as well, but with that Max it's going to wrap up our fourth episode of the Ivy podcast here on January 27th. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week on February 3rd for our fifth episode. Do you have any closing thoughts, Max?
2: Nope.
1: All right, so the specific time will be to be determined. Um, I know that there is possibly a working for 3 Eastern time next Sunday, but, uh, you know, we'll let you know via Instagram. Follow me at CubsNation2018. My name's Thomas, and also my partner Max at Wrigley News. But as always, go Cubs go. And we'll see you here next week on February 3rd for the fifth episode of VIV. Thanks guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can't keep on losing you over Go too soon
3: Wait The IV is produced by Benson Fector. The VIV is a production of the baseball podcast network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at CubsNation2018, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, at BaseballPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next week.